good morning. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And like Jordan said, I'm glad that you braved the snow, um, mainly because there's probably going to be more of it. And if you just didn't drive in snow, well, let's be honest, a lot of people brave the snow for uh, many different reasons. That's a, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Um, when Jen and I were first, uh, when we were first, in our first house that we owned, we, we, were, we decided to sell it. Shocker, a lot of you are like, wow, Bren, you guys move a lot. Well, we were selling it, and our, our realtor said, hey, Bren, make sure you have the house set up to where it's going to show really well and, and you know, make it nice. And, and essentially what he was telling me was, make sure the house doesn't look lived in so that it's really, really comfortable for someone to walk in and think, I could live here because, look, it, they live this way. Now, the good news was at this point we didn't have kids, so our house was exceptionally cleaner than it has ever been with the kids we have. Um, the bad news is we didn't have kids. Kids are great. But so we were, I remember one day we were, we were kind of tired. Your, your house is on the market for a little bit, and you get tired of picking up things and stuff, and, um, and then we got a call like, hey, someone's coming. And so it was like, quick, let's get everything done and, and clean everything out. And so we're grabbing stuff and we're, we're moving stuff around and, you know, shoving things in, in crevices that hopefully they don't open, you know, like, oh, a, a dish drying rack. Put it in the oven and throw, close up the oven and, and run off. And we kind of move around and everything else. Well, that next day we forgot that we put the dish rack thing in the oven. Well, I didn't tell Jen that I put it in there actually, um, which I thought was a perfectly normal spot because who looks in an oven when they're going to, you know, well, she went in to cook something and hit preheat on the oven, and our drying rack had a new form to it that took me forever to clean out of the, the, the oven. And it was, it, was, it was hideous. It smelled terrible. I'm like, what is that? And it clicked on us right away, and we realized, oh, we were, you know, trying to hide how imperfect our house was or what things that we would use to live in it so that it would show better. And, and similar, you'll do this in your house, and Jen's not here so I can get a brownie point for this. Our house is normally really, really clean, surprising. Um, the kids. She's, she does an awesome job with that, and, and, and I try and help her when I can, but she's amazing at it. But even if we have people coming over, we do this, and you guys do this too, be honest, right? Oh, someone's coming over. Which room are they not going to see, right? You start thinking like, okay, I can shove the laundry in this room, and I can do this, you know, and it's like, oh, our house is newer. People are going to want to see the house, and which room is it? So then we really have to like, then we got to move from the rooms into the closets and really shove it in the closets, and you kind of start hiding stuff so that you can look better and uh, like we're trying to please people like anyone would walk into a house and say you have three little girls who cares if it's got kids toys somewhere or it's got clothes somewhere or dirty undies out in the front which is probably not the kids but more mine no I'm kidding sorry I'm kidding <laughs> but the point is is we work really really hard to clean things up on the outside in fact have you ever noticed on Facebook selfies like selfies is this thing where you take a picture of yourself you never and I, I, I would be hard you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that just is, you know, rolled out of bed. They got drool still hanging out of their mouth. You guys drool. Don't, don't pretend you don't, okay? And they're drooling. They're like, ah, selfie. Look at me waking up this morning. Like, there's no selfies like that. The selfies are always like, oh, done up and perfect. And, oh, we're on an awesome date. Click, look at how happy we are. We always, every image that we choose to show is this, this somewhat fake, somewhat put together, somewhat pretend uh, image. In fact, some of you, like, we do this all the time in the church, right? We walk around and pretend like everything is just as happy as happy can be. You know, I, I, we joked, it, it, Christmas Eve is one of those ones, like, you're rushing to get your kids out of the house, and you, know, you get in this big old fight, and then you show up to church, and be like, oh, hey, let's sing about Jesus. But the truth is, is that we, we continually put on this show. We, we, we try and clean up the outside. We try and fix up what's going on um, around us. We take control of other aspects. We... we mirror and we taint our Facebook image to look, or our social image to look like we are something that we aren't, and we, we continually hide behind these facades. 
And, and that essentially is what Jesus is going to talk to us about today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 12. We're just going to read uh, three verses today, really, really short. See, Jesus had, um, had almost no problem at all reaching uh, prostitutes, thieves, murderers, tax collectors, and outcasts. But it was nearly impossible for him to really reach the religious, self-righteous types. He had no problem reaching in and, and touching someone that was, that was a prostitute, that knew they were a prostitute, that were in this spot where they are in a horrible spot. He had no problem bringing them out, but it was those self-righteous people that he struggled with, the self-righteous that continually attacked him. And this is, this is coming nearing the end of this really great discussion that's happening between the Pharisees and scribes and Jesus. And it, it began kind of with them starting to attack what he was doing on the Sabbath, and then they, they see him, he, he exercises this demon out of this person, and they say at this point, they, they confront him and say, you're not doing this for God, you're doing this because of Satan. You're doing this by Satan's power is what you're doing. You're moving it from his power. And so he, he's been attacking them in that, not attacking, but he's been clarifying or clear, clearing the air, basically showing them how their, their arguments were ridiculous. And he showed them theologically, showed them practically, and he basically came all around. And it's, it's full circle now. And what Jesus does here um, is he uses a, a fairly... Um, confusing and frightening illustration to make his final point here. And he says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also it will it be with this evil generation. And so what Jesus is doing is he's using this illustration where he talks about an unclean spirit. And this time, unclean spirit would have been a demon, someone, one of the fallen angels, someone that had worked for Satan in that way. And there was a lot of demon possession going on in this time. Jesus has already been pulling demons out of people. They saw it all over. They saw, remember the, the pig scene, and he, he, he threw all the, the demons onto the pigs, and they went into the water. So this, is, this has been common practice. And he's already established that, that he does it by God's power. That's where we were just at a couple weeks before. But then he turns on them, and he basically starts talking about their heart and says, look, you guys are missing the point. The point isn't, isn't even what's happening externally. It's what's, what's going on in here. And what Jesus does is he basically says, look, it is time. It is time for you to start looking in here. In biblical times at this time of Jews, about 200 years before Jesus was on the scene, um, the, there was a Syrian a horrible pagan god that, that was over, or pagan king that was over um, Jerusalem, and, and Judas Maccabeus came in, and, and they had this revolt, revolution, and they reformed, and they, they saved the temple, and that's where you get um, Hanukkah and all these other things, and they, they made this beautiful reform where the temple became clean again, it became holy. And in that time, it was, it, was, it was good. But then what ended up happening is they realized that despite the fact that the temple was in place, they still weren't truly following the Torah. They weren't following it. So this, these Pharisees came in. And they came in with all the right intention to reform what was happening. They wanted people to understand more what it meant to follow the first six books of the Bible. And they wanted, they wanted people to understand what it meant to be a part of that law. And so they pushed into that. And they began began telling people and striving for, for, for Jews to keep it more faithfully, to pr push reform back to the people. And this is about 100 years before Jesus is on the scene. And what ends up happening is that although they push, more laws come in and more, more and more and more, and pretty soon they've lost the point. And, and so the Jews drastically were desiring for this reformation, this, this reform that came about that brought this incredible 
freedom from, from guilt and this connection back to God. They knew they were God's chosen people, and so everyone was looking for this reform. But what the, what, the, what the Pharisees had done in that decade or so is they had started um, in the last decade or so, they had, had, they had had almost every single person so drowned out by the laws that were in place that there was no way that they were ever going to keep their relationship right before God. And so what they had done is they, they, had, they had put this, this system in place. And so when Jesus came and he comes and starts unfolding his kingdom, it looks drastically different than what any one of them expected or wanted it to look like even. And so they don't, they, don't, they don't surrender to it. They don't fall to it. And so then Jesus sets on the scene, and he starts showing his kingdom. And like we said a few weeks ago, Jesus' kingdom wasn't this grand come in and with a sword and take over. It was one individual at a time. He was working one individual at a time. He's still continuing to work one individual at a time as he's redeeming all things. And so this reform was wanted. It was desired. But what happened with the Pharisees is they brought this morality system in place. They brought this system in place that said, just do everything you can on the outside to look like you got it right. And then hopefully, God will fill in the rest. Hopefully, things will happen. But morality without the work of Christ leaves us susceptible to a much worse state. And so, let's see this out in our life. Have you ever made a decision to quit something? I'm going to quit eating French fries. I'm going to eat, this is time of year, everyone's like making those health things, right? Like, um, this is it. I'm going to like, beginning of the year, all the candy's gone and I'm in. And, you know, a few weeks later, it's like, oh, man, that Snickers looks good. I got this left, well, we can't leave this leftover cake here. I mean, it's just, I don't want it to go to waste, right? We start justifying why we have to eat that sugar. The candy canes will not be good next year and, you know, whatever. Just one candy cane. Maybe it's, it's something more serious. You've, 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 you've made a commitment to not drink alcohol or to stop looking at porn or to, to stop being um, so full of anger, pride, or deceit. What ends up happening is we make these, these commitments and these strong and, and they're good. It's good to say, I want to get rid of this stuff, and I want to do that, and I want to be free from this, and I want to run in a different way, whether it's in health or it's in, it's in, in um, making a financial decision or it's in making a, 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 an alcohol or, or a decision to be, this is the year I'm going to spend more time with my kids or, or whatever decision you make. These are all good things. But what happens is if we decide to cut something out, so let's use alcohol as an example. I'm cutting alcohol out. It's out. That's it. And we, we, we clean that out. Well, then what ends up happening if nothing replaces that is that the alcohol comes back stronger. The desire comes back stronger. You start drinking, and then you get in this spot where you're shamed. Well, I already drank anyway, so who cares? So you drink some more. And it's like, well, you know, and the, the alcoholics, they will call it like this weak binge drinking where it's like, well, I've already gone this far. Who cares? And they do it this week, and the, the damage, the collateral damage is just, massive. And so what Jesus is getting at here is he's using this, this unclean spirit, which most people would understand as, okay, this is a demon and possession. And what he's not using is, is prescriptive here. He's not saying that every time you exercise a demon out, this is what happens, because it would be ridiculous for people to do that then. They'd say, well, leave the demon in. I don't want seven more of me. What he's using is he's using this example saying, look, you Pharisees, you've made this morality check. You said, I'm going to stop doing this, 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 and you've never been filled with me or my spirit. And so what ends up happening is you have this really great shell of a house. It looks really, really pretty, but no one really can live in it. And so it's enticing and it's open and it's wide open for the, for the demons to come back. And so what he's making this point is, is that you can't use this religious system to make things right. So for you, you can't, you can't, 
exit these choices. You can't make these choices and say, I'm done doing this. It's, it's okay to struggle with these sin, but you realize, like, we will give up, we will give up sinful habits for all sorts of motivations, right? So sometimes the motivation can be negative, like jail time or financial crisis or, or health, or, or it could be a number of different reasons. We will give up things for the right, for good, positive motivation. I love my wife. I love my kids. But every single one of those motivations fall short. Every single one of those motivations are left on our own strength. They could be good or bad, but if, it's, if that's it, if you're only going to be faithful because you're married, you've missed the point. If you're only going to, to, to pay your taxes because you don't want to go to jail, you've missed the point. The point isn't the, the, the consequences that do or don't come. Whatever the motivation, apart from the purifying work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, it will never last. Look, we even see instances in the Bible. We see this in Luke 17 where, where Jesus cleanses ten lepers. Like cleanses them. They're, they're free. And they tell them to go and do this. And only one of the lepers turns around and falls on his face before Jesus. And Jesus says to him, you have faith. It's because of your faith you've been healed. He even asks, where'd the other nine go? So look, the motivation, Jesus, there can be work, there can be a cleansing work by God, but if it is not followed into a faith that is surrendered to him as Lord, you're just as susceptible. Just as susceptible to fall and to make those mistakes. And what I think that we've done, unfortunately, in the American church and most of us, is that we have, we have made our actions more important than our heart. Look, Jesus is all about moral actions. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. He's relentless about what it's to look like. But in every single aspect of that, he keeps weaving it back, stripping it back, and saying it's, it's in the heart. So my actions to be faithful to my wife start because of my love for Jesus Christ. My actions to, 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 to not be a drunkard starts because I am filled by the Holy Spirit and I'm, not, I'm called to be led by him and nothing else. It all begins with the heart. These actions are stuff that we do. The motivations can be there. That's great, but they cannot be in and of itself because apart from Christ, you're going to look really good on the outside and hollow on the inside. You're going you're to put on a smiley face and say everything's going good really while you're just hollowed out in the middle because you're carrying around this deceit and darkness that you were never intended to carry. So yeah, you can give lots of money. You can... You can go to church. You can, you can spend a lot of time doing these great acts of service and all those things, but if the heart and the motivation isn't because I am a child of God, you're missing the point. Dare I say, you're much like a Pharisee. What Jesus says to these people is he says, look, apart from me, you're in a worse spot than where you were initially. He says, yeah, this reform that the Pharisees brought in was great, and that's a good spot. You've kind of cleaned the outside. But, but if you don't let me invade that space in your heart, then you are worse off than if you had ever had any reform before. He's saying this is a, it's to this an evil generation. He's, he's basically laying it out to all Jews in front of him, all his chosen people saying, look it, you guys are in worse state. You're in a worse state than you would have been before the Pharisees showed up. If Jesus does not fill that space, if his spirit does not fill that space in us, then we are in a more susceptible and worse spot to be. Now, 
a lot of people get struggle with this because they think this about about demons, and I, I want to be clear. Like Jesus, I think, was using this as an illustration. Absolutely, that is true. This, our battle is not with just flesh and blood. Like it, there are demons in their presence, and they're fighting, and that Satan desires to destroy, kill, and, and, and steal from all of us. But the point of this text has, I think, little to do with that and more to do with the state of which we are with Christ. Little to do with, with, with whether or not a demon will or will not possess us and has everything to do with stop making yourself look good on the outside and ignoring the heart. Stop trying to make yourself better. Jordan read out of Titus 3, it's, it's not because of anything we did. We're justified by Christ and his work alone and nothing done on our own. And every single one of us would probably say, yeah, I believe that. I'm justified by Christ alone. Then why do we put so much stinking energy into making the outside look so good and ignore the heart? Ignore what's going on inside. See, this text has to do with salvation. Jesus is at this point where he's turned the, the argument full circle. At first they thought, okay, he's, he's, he's casting them out because of, of Satan. That's why he's, he's freed this man from demon possession. And he goes through this whole long reason of why that's not right, that's wrong, here's the theology behind it, here's what I'm doing, and then he turns it right back around and he says, but for you, for you people, where's your heart? Because if, if ultimately you are this person and, and the demon is, is removed and you don't surrender, you do not fall on your face in faith in me, in Jesus Christ, then you're worse off. You're worse off because you're going to be self-righteous and prideful. You're going to be a hypocrite. You're going to be someone that says all the right things, knows all the right things to do, but inside is hollow and empty and dark and you can carry it on for quite a while. You can trick a lot of people around you, but ultimately, Jesus knows right where your heart's at. He knows right what's going on. And so this is why he makes this incredibly frightening and huge illustration for us. And I would say, okay, so we're not the evil generation of the Jews. We're none, none of us, very probably most of us are like, I'm not Jewish. I don't know what he's talking about. But what's worse for us is that we know more than they did. We have, we have the full story unveiled in front of us. We have this. You're in, you're in a church. You can't claim ignorant anymore. You are, you are apart from Christ in sin. So you know. So you don't get to use the excuse, I didn't know. And what Jesus says when it comes to that moment, with this illustration, when it comes to that moment, when you know that truth and you choose to walk opposite of that truth or you choose to well I'll just I'll give more money and, and buy God off or I'll just I'll just serve more I'll just be around more and I'll just do more and we forget to ever be with God what ends up happening is you just start cleaning up the exide you're sweeping it up you're throwing that drying rack in the oven you're making you're making all kinds of choices that ultimately if not dealt with lead to destruction. And so Jesus says, look, this, this has to do with salvation. I think this comes with anything. Some of you right now, you're like, okay, going back to the struggles of, of alcohol or, or porn or whatever else it may be, like, without the saving work of the Spirit in that, you're not going to be free of it. And let me just say this really, really clearly. I want to say this is like, pay attention. Everyone look at me real quick. This is really important, okay? You cannot do it alone. 
You will not defeat anything alone. You're not meant to do it alone. In fact, God saves you into a community. He saves you into a family that's meant to it. That's where Jesus is going next week. You've seen family all wrong. That's where he's going to go into it next week. But you are not meant to do it alone. So if you're sitting right now carrying around these skeletons in your closet going, I got this, I got this. You know what? I'm convicted. Thank you, God. He he spoke to me about porn, and I'm done. I'm not going to do anything. And you do not tell anyone to bring into it. You do not confess that before God. You do not bring anyone any power into the light. You are still in darkness. What you've done is you've kept it swept and tidy on the outside. You are not strong enough to do this on your own. You are incapable of doing it apart from the Holy Spirit. And the way that we use the Holy Spirit, the way that we, we, we live in step with the Holy Spirit is by complete surrender to Christ, by being vulnerable with one another, by allowing God to use the people he has around you to bring freedom. Because here's the problem. If you don't, if you don't, if you just make some claim that I'm done and I'm done and I'm done and that's it and you don't actually bring it to light, you don't actually surrender it to Christ, you don't ever fall over, then you are in a worse spot than you were initially. And that's what this text is saying. See, you can come to church a lot. You can spend time hearing about God and you can spend time throwing some money at him or serving in kids, which, by the way, we need more people serving kids, so that's a good thing to do. But you can spend all your time doing that. And ultimately what ends up happening is if you never actually see the heart transformation, you are just making yourself a really, really good statue. That maybe everyone around you go, wow, look at that person. That person's awesome. When ultimately at some point the statue's built on sand and it's just going to come tumbling down. And so Jesus is, is asking, he said, you want reform? You guys want to see what reformation looks like? You want to see what it does? Then surrender to my kingdom. Surrender yourself completely to my work. Let me be what does these things through you. Let me get the glory for your life. Let me be the one that brings the strength to you in your weakness. Stop putting on a front. Stop cleaning. Let's just make a, a commitment right now as a community. We can go over to each other's houses with them being messy. Like, let's just let's just do it. And everyone's like, that's not happening. My wife isn't here, and she's probably like, there's no way, right? Like you're like, that's not happening. But it, but do you, do you see do you see the issue is, if we can't be vulnerable at that level, then how are we ever to be vulnerable with the dark closet nastiness of our sins? And maybe it doesn't work out that way. But my bet is, is if we really struggle to allow someone to see a, a sock on the floor, we're probably gonna have a pretty big issue with a good friend knowing the darkness of our heart. And the point of doing that isn't so we can gossip. The point of doing that is that you can confess your sins to one another and be healed. The point of doing it is to find yourself in a spot where you can start walking in the Spirit. So when, when the enemy comes at you, he goes, oh man, that place isn't vacant. That place is filled with the Spirit. I got no room in there. I'm not even welcome to be a part of that. The Spirit is, is, is so strong in that person that I can't, I can't even get even a single minute of their time. And that's ultimately what Jesus is calling us to. Jordan's going to come up and we'll sing some more. And while we do, I just, I, I want to encourage you. This is one of those, I feel like it's, it's one of those times of the year where it's worth, it's worth looking, looking back some 
but not too much, but then not look, and looking forward some, but not too much, because I feel like we need to be present. But if, if you ever, one thing that's great about a new year is it's, well, it's a new year, and so even though it's another day on the, you just wake up and nothing really changes and the hours don't change, and that's just kind of how it is, but it is something where you can look back, and I would encourage you to look in the rearview mirror of your life this, la- this last year. I would encourage you to just spend a little bit of time looking back and going, okay, God, where have you been? Where have you been present? Where have I, where have I fallen? What are the, what are the skeletons that, that, that you're doing? And make this a year not where you're going to say, that's it, I'm going to get healthy three weeks in and then stop doing it. But make this a year where you're, I'm going to surrender completely to Christ. I'm done. I'm done trying to control my marriage. I'm done trying to control my kids. I'm done trying to, to control the finances. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender this completely to you, Jesus. And whatever comes out of this, I'm just going to just sit back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just marvel at your grace and your goodness. What looking back does is if you, if you were intentional about praying, which I'm hoping in a church you were, you'll see God's hand woven in your life as a father's would be in his child's. And you'll see his presence as he, as he protected and he provided and he showed and he, and he moved in this way. And what that does is you just spend a little bit of time looking back. You then can look forward and say, well, what does this year look like of me walking in step with the Spirit? What does it really look like to be full of him? What does it really look like in my personal life, in my marriage, in my school, in my, in my sports, in my, my parenting? What does it look like for me to be fully immersed in God's ways? where his spirit is so flowing out of me that it just is, is intoxicating to every single person I come in contact with. Where his spirit's leading in so many ways that I'm not white-knuckling this addiction, I'm, I'm open-handed to it. Where his spirit is so, so flowing where I'm like, I can't, I have nothing to hide anymore. I don't need to hide. Why hide? Here, here it is. Here's the deepest, darkest spots because the Spirit is, is calling me to be free from the shame that comes from holding on to that darkness. He's calling me to live without the shackles that I keep trying to put on that He's already freed me of through the work of Jesus Christ. So as you look back, just look at God's hand. And maybe some of you are like, man, it's so cloudy, it's so murky, it's so tough, it's so difficult, it was a, it's just a hard year. I just want to encourage you no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, maybe you feel like you've been just attacked and attacked and attacked, I want to encourage you to go to the book of Job. If you are God's child, then Satan had to enter the throne room of God to get permission to attack you. And he was not able to do anything that God did not allow to come into your life. So as you had this incredibly difficult year and you had this hard thing, you need to understand that God is doing something miraculous right now. And he's saying, no, 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 son, daughter, sit, sit, hang on. You're, you're wandering right now and you're wandering, but trust me, what I got is going to be so much more than you ever imagined because a person wholly devoted to me brings immense glory to me. And that person that brings immense glory to me shows me the love that I have for him and the love that they have for me. So I would encourage you as, you, as you look in the rearview mirror, despite what you did or didn't see, you'd remember, you'd remember that no matter what, if you are a child of God, your identity is that you are still righteous and perfect. Even if you're struggling with some of these sins, you're like, I can't, I can't seem to beat it. You're still, as a child of God, beautiful to him. And his grace is sufficient. So stop hiding. Stop taking on the exterior to look good. Let's just see ourselves be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more real. So that when the enemy comes back to attack, he goes, whoa, 
There's, there's no room here. I got nothing. I don't have a chance with this person. So the enemy tries to whisper, you're not good enough. You can go, <laughs> nice try. I know that because I'm not good enough, I am now perfect because of what Jesus has done. Not by anything that I did, anything of my own work. So let's make this a year where you actually walk in step with the Spirit. Where you don't forget that He's around. Where you actually live in God's Word and in prayer in such a way that that you can't help but see your life almost unfolding in front of you as God is weaving His purpose and His will through you. Pray for Jesus. Jesus, I... um, In my own life, it's hard sometimes to look back and see the mistakes that I've made and and believe in all of my heart that you still love me and that you still um, call me child, precious child. And Lord, I'm sure in a room uh, this size with this many people here, I'm sure that every single person struggles with that at one point or another. Would you um, just destroy our hearts in an amazing way? Would you break it down where anything that we're holding on to, maybe it's a small pride, a small, small thing, just a little bit of bitterness or, or whatever it is. Maybe it's something that's seemingly small, but ultimately is sin and apart from you, God. Would you just start ripping our grip off of that, pulling one finger at a time to a spot where we can ultimately let go and give it completely to you? God, for those of us that continually put so much effort into looking good on the outside, would you, would you give us the desire to see that effort put inward? Would you give us a desire to see that, that we could just surrender completely to you? Would you give us a desire to be in your word? Give us a desire for your knowledge, for your love. Father, for every single person in this room, I pray that we would be uh, more in tune with your spirit this year. I pray that we'd be so in tune with your spirit that it wouldn't be for our glory or for our family's glory, for some, for some small C church glory, but for your name of, your Jesus, of Jesus Christ alone. Father, would you remind us of your love for us? God, may we not be an evil generation. May we be a generation of people that that are fully surrendered to you, to your work and your work alone. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.